listening to the Party Girl Podcast with Chelsea Curtis, episode 25. Okay, I am so excited to share with you some small wins that I've had since starting this podcast. So not only am I up to 25 episodes, (laughs) reaching my goal by recording one every day, Um, I've had some small wins. So I was looking through my numbers and it looks like my podcast has actually hit 200 listens, which is so fun because I currently have a blog that gets, you know, thousands of hits every day. And, um, sometimes depending on what's trending or the season, I have old posts that will bring in tens of thousands of, of views and hits a day. And so to start something brand new, And to feel that joy of like, oh my gosh, it's working. And keep in mind, I've really only posted my podcast to my Facebook groups. I haven't really put it out there or tried to promote it or anything like that quite yet. And so it's just been fun to kind of see my efforts paying off and to see the work of, you know, the work I'm putting in just kind of coming together and that people are are paying attention and taking notice. It's always rewarding to know that someone on the other side is listening, even if it's only a few people. Um, Another win I had was I finished my 28-day challenge coaching course, and it's started today. So it's in action, it's in motion, and I have 10 spots filled, and I have this group coming through with my mastermind. Uh, Most of them are actually students who have either bought the course previously or... um, know me from my Party Planner Academy e-course. And so it's been really fun to work on something that I just feel um, most people need. They need a little bit more structure and coaching. And the Party Planner Academy is just on on a level that would be most advantageous for someone who's been working their business for a while instead of somebody who's brand new with just an idea or a concept. So the 28 Day Challenge really takes somebody's idea And we handhold through the process of like belief and overcoming fears and working out your idea and and telling your story and coming up with a killer offer so that when you go to put it into the world, you have a strategy, not only for your business idea, but for social media, as well as, you know, the months that precede and follow the launch of your idea. So this next lesson that we have coming up tomorrow, as a matter of fact, is actually about overcoming overwhelm. And so as I'm contributing to the group and leading it, it's been really interesting because this is my first group. So I plan to have this be something I do, you know, maybe every quarter or every few months I could do this 28-day challenge with a new group. But it's been interesting because I have fears about this challenge as well. Like whenever you create something, whenever you write a course specifically, it's kind of tough to put it out there and to feel like, I know this is going to work because again, I only know what's worked for me. So with my course, like the first batch of students I had that went through it, they were helping me so much. Some of my strengths are just, you know, I'm very creative. I'm very business oriented. I'm very good at customer service and delivering like the wow factor. Some of my weaknesses are math and spelling and attention to detail as it relates to math and spelling. So I use a lot of like talk to text. I try to streamline processes by making them as easy as possible. And because of that, there are oftentimes errors. And that's a huge insecurity for me because um, I feel like 
for me to keep up the momentum, I don't like to delay things or have them take longer than needed. And maybe that's a huge character flaw of mine, but I like want to launch it. And so as I, I've actually done way better with this one, like trying to proofread it and have my husband proofread it and friends proofread it. But there's always going to be concepts that are unclear because in my mind, I have a baseline of my experiences and I'm hoping that other people have a similar baseline so that they can resonate with what I'm teaching them and I don't have to go back and say, okay, where am I missing information? Where do I need to fill in the gap so that everybody can have the best experience possible? So it's been, yeah, it's been interesting and a little bit of a challenge that way. And so as I'm working through this first group, the most pressure is always, will this even work? Are people going to have results? You know, it's so easy to look back at what's worked for you. And then the insecurities and the overwhelm and the anxiety of like, well, I didn't graduate from college. Like I didn't even study business and I didn't even study event management. Like I, I went to beauty school and culinary school. Who am I? Who am I to be teaching something like this? And the imposter syndrome hits so hard And, you know, it's so easy to look inward at all the things that we are not and to feel like we don't have value to contribute because we don't have the paper that says we're qualified. And I just love that in this day and age, the qualifier is your results. If you can get results, if you are the type of person who can perform and give an experience that's unforgettable, that wows your customer, that that's what matters. You know, you could be the most educated person in the whole world, but if you can't actually execute on what you went to school to do in a way that's effective and does good by your customers, does well by your customers, then are you really the best? You know, so it's just one of those things that I I feel so grateful to live in a time where we have access to so much information and to mentors from anywhere in the world that can teach us and help us hone in and refine our skills so that we don't have to take those traditional routes of going back to college and paying for all that tuition and taking the time away. Like for me right now with a little baby and a six-year-old going on seven-year-old, it would be very, very near impossible for me to go back to college. And to be honest, like I really struggled in school. Like when I was in high school, I kind of had like a unique upbringing because I was in public school for elementary. And then my parents pulled us out and we started going to a private Baptist school. And so our friends, our family friends would come to our house and pick us up and and transport us there. My mom had health problems and she couldn't drive. So I think they were trying to make a, a decision on school that was convenient and, you know, a better education than just public school. And then after the, um, that Baptist school, we did some homeschooling and then we went right into, high school. Like I went into a public high school after that. And basically middle school years were all at the Baptist school. And so it was just a little bit of a shell shock for me because I came from, you know, working on my work, wearing a uniform, learning to be respectful, doing Bible study every day, going and listening to the pastor preach to us. And that was great. And it was fine. However, If you go from that experience to a public high school, 
It's almost like that scene in Mean Girls when she comes to the new school and she's in the mall and the kids are acting like animals in Africa. It was just like that. And I was looking around thinking, this is insane. I can't believe people are just kissing openly or talking back to teachers or dressing like that or sneaking drugs or smoking in the halls. Like it was crazy. It was crazy. And so um, I did really well for some of the subjects. And I kind of got lazy because it was like kind of kind of easy. And then the next year, so freshman year was very easy, straight A's. The next year, it got a lot harder because of my grades. They placed me in harder classes, and I wasn't equipped for those classes. And I didn't have a lot of help from home. My dad worked a lot, and my mom is from another country. So in Brazil, like they use the metric system and the way they learn math is completely different. So I just was kind of on my own and I really struggled and I would get some good grades in like art and drama and English. I was okay. But any of the science or the math classes, I just struggled. And I mean, it was like scraping by with a D plus. I remember half of the semester, um, my sophomore year in biology, I had an F and I Like I had never learned science before because in Baptist school, we didn't even have science. Like we had Bible study in place of science. So I had no foundations and it really set me up to to this narrative and this story that I wasn't good at it. I'm not good at math. I'm not good at science. And so that became a self-fulfilling prophecy. And it was like, if I could just get a C, I was, I was, you know, that was a good thing for me. But of course, like my parents were not happy with those grades and they were constantly working to try to encourage me with words and threats and incentives and nothing really worked. It just never really clicked. And I did graduate. I, I, you know, I think I had like a three point something. So it wasn't the worst GPA ever, but it definitely wasn't, you know, 4.0 or something admirable like that. So I decided I was going to go to trade school um, right out of high school. I literally had graduated in June, and then we got there, I think, in August. And I went for master aesthetics, and I really thrived with the hands-on, you know, learning skills. And it was so funny because there is a lot of science and even math in being an esthetician when you have to work with lasers and you have to calculate things. But because it was applicable, it was so much easier for me to grasp and to get a handle on. And after I graduated and was working in a spa, making pretty decent money, I decided to go back to school, got my generals done, and just fell in love with the idea of being a chef. So I thought, you know, I want to go to culinary school. I think that would would be a good skill set I could use, like as a mom. And I really ultimately want to be a stay-at-home mom, so this is what I want to do. And for the first time in my life, being in culinary school, learning how to bake and how to use math, like fractions, uh, this is embarrassing, but fractions never, ever made sense to me until I got to culinary school. And when I could physically see like fractions working, it was like this light bulb had gone off in my head and I suddenly believed like, I'm not bad at math. Like I'm not bad at fractions. I just needed to learn it a different way and come at it from a different way. And then all of a sudden I believe like, oh, I can do fractions, you know, I'm 20 years old, but I can do fractions now. Something that you learn in like fourth grade or maybe even third grade. I don't know. Um, But like I said, because of my experience, like I had told myself this story that I wasn't enough and I, I wasn't good at it. And the older I get, the more I realize that the stories we tell ourselves, that narrative controls us in a way that's really unnecessary. The reason is because there's so much 
knowledge out there. There's so many resources out there that if learning it one way isn't really working for you, you could probably find a thousand other people teaching it in a way that might resonate with you. And for some reason, like just knowing that, like, and creating this course and knowing that maybe, maybe my course isn't for, you know, someone who's graduated from college and wants to be an event planner, but maybe it's for somebody that's more like me, a mom who already has a passion for events, who just wants to learn the ins and outs of how to do successful events and get sponsors and and venues and things like that to pay to participate and to just create this amazing space and to say, I have value because I'm leveraging what I create here and that you can present that in a way that's professional and effective. And you honestly don't need a college degree to do that. But yes, you can learn how to do that in college. And yes, colleges will teach you way in depth how to be an extremely proficient professional and be able to do it excellently. That is absolutely true. But just because that's not my story or my experience, or maybe not yours, doesn't mean that we aren't able to have that same opportunity if we're willing to work hard to put it all together. And so today I wanted to just remind you that you are the one in control of your narrative. You are the one that gets to decide who you want to be when you grow up. And even if you're 50 or 80 or 102, you can still decide at any time, like, I want to pick up the guitar or I want to learn how to be a cake maker or I want to learn how to sew or whatever. I want to learn how to be an event planner. You can choose at any point. It's your life. And I always go back to my Dr. Laura quote, between now and dead, how do you want to live the rest of your life? Do you want to be stuck doing something that you hate because that's what you went to school for or because that's what you thought you were supposed to be doing or because that's the only thing that you know how to do? Guess what? You can learn how to do anything that you want, anything that you're excited about, anything that you're passionate about. You can just decide right now that you want to start learning about it. Get a book from the library. Do a Google search for crying out loud. It's amazing. So really this episode is mostly for me to remind myself that I am capable and that I have the ability to <laughs> create things and that they're valuable. And and that's okay if they're not for everybody. I think that's the other part that I want to stress is like your voice, your message, your story isn't going to resonate with everybody and that's okay because the people that need you when they find you, you'll know why you were meant to share because those people needed to hear your experience and your story. That's why. So as I've been working through this 28-day challenge, and like I said, here we are on day one, I'm feeling the insecurity, I'm feeling the pressure, but all I can do is my best and just really allow people, like if this isn't for you, there is that grace period, you know, get your refund. But if you are resonating, if this is helping you, like gosh, what an amazing way to skip a lot of paperwork and logistics and just go for it and link arms, and to just feel supported and feel like you're part of a tribe and a group. And so I guess if anything else, like I just want to pour into you belief and to tell you that you deserve to be happy and you deserve to do something that fulfills you like nothing else. And that's okay. And I promise that if you just have the mindset that it has to work, that it's not an if, but a when, like you're going to do well and you're going to be successful. I want to thank you so much for joining me, for participating in this podcast, and for just being here. It really means the world to me. I'll catch you in the next episode. 